Hello and welcome to Movement, a weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, Melinda Cousins interviews a leader from within our movement and then asks them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. I'm here again with Mike Mills. And Mike, when I interviewed you, we talked about how good it would be on this podcast maybe to to listen to some sermons and uh, get a chance to hear people's passions coming out in their local church preaching. That's right. Yes. And so you are first cab off the rank. We've asked you to share a sermon with us. So can you tell uh, people what this sermon uh, they're going to be listening to, what the context of it, like when and where it was preached? Certainly. So this is a sermon that was preached in June 2019 at Edwardstown Baptist Church. Uh, Edwardstown is where my family and I worship, and so it's like our home church. And preaching there is where I think that my passion for local church comes out more. Mm -hmm. I feel more relaxed and connected to the journey the people are on. Uh, This particular sermon is part of a series which was called Gospel Encounters and looked at different encounters with Jesus uh, from the biblical narrative. And the, uh, the passage that I was working with was the, the, the famous passage of the rich young fool parable uh, in Luke chapter 12. But it wasn't really about the lesson of the parable. It was about the encounter that the young man had as he came to Jesus and asked for resolution of a dispute. And the title of the sermon was Trapped by Agenda. Mm-hmm. Can you tell, tell us why this sermon, why did you choose this as the one to share with us? Well, middle of last year was when I was uh, very deeply involved in trying to discern whether I uh, allow myself to be put forward for an extension in this role. And so I was in that kind of discernment process about my future. And so it really spoke to me about when I came to Jesus Uh, Was I coming to him in my prayer with uh, such a fixed agenda that I was going to miss what else he was doing? And as is often the case as a preacher, this one spoke to me probably more than it did to my listeners. Uh, But I related to this this, uh, aspect of the fact that we can come to Jesus and be so trapped by our own agenda that we miss what he has for us. So that is really the context for it. Looking forward to hearing it. It's been great to hear those stories of uh, people's encounters with God at work. And uh, we're in the midst of a series, a series called Gospel Encounters. And that's what we've been hearing testimony about this morning. Uh, The team, as they go, have had encounters with the gospel themselves. That that terminology of, you know, it's a blessing to be there. Uh, I've been touched by it, the feelings that I had and what I saw. But they've witnessed too people experiencing gospel encounters. What was that terminology you said? It was the epicenter of miracles. What a wonderful turn of phrase. That, That sense that there is a place where God is at work, where people are encountering the gospel. They're encountering the kingdom of God. They are meeting with Jesus. So this series that we are doing and have been doing over these last three weeks, and we've got a couple more to do, are about that very theme. This idea that as we go through life, we bump up against and encounter the Lord and creator of all, the Savior, the Holy One. 
through his son, Jesus. We began this series looking at a, uh, an encounter beside a lake where the disciples and Jesus crossed the lake to the Gerasenes and there met a man whose life was shaped, was distorted, was actually possessed by the demonic. A man who had nothing to bring to the encounter at all. And through his meeting of Jesus, he is totally transformed. He goes from being an outcast, naked, dwelling amongst the tombs, self-harming, to a man in his right mind, telling the story of his encounter with Jesus to his family and to his community. A radical transformation. We then uh, looked at three encounters where people uh, had questions of Jesus and made statements about their boldness to follow and even had excuses. These were people who wanted to add something to their life but didn't want to let go of what they already had. Whether it be the comforts of home, whether it be the commitments to family, or whether it be the really uh, binding constraints of culture and society. They wanted to add a bit of Jesus to it, but didn't want to give him everything. And we don't know anything about what happened with those folk. But what we learnt was, to come to Jesus, we need to be aware that we can come with strings attached. So this is like, you know, when you're watching a series on TV and uh, they go to previously on Gospel Encounters, this is getting you up to date. And last week was the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, a woman whose life was shaped by shame, a woman who had uh, unsuccessfully tried marriage a number of times. A woman who was an outcast from her community. A woman who was at a well in the middle of a day on her own. A woman from the Samaritans who were like uh, an egg. I've lost the word. They were the people that were most looked down upon by the Jewish people. And there at the well she encounters a Jew, Jesus. And her life is radically changed as her shame is replaced by a sense of worth and place. Simply because Jesus invited her in and gave her the opportunity. And she too goes back to her community. So we've had all these different encounters. And each one teaches, something, teaches us something about our own encounters. And today, we're going to look at an encounter in Luke chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles with you in device or paper, uh, Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13. But before we read it, I'd like to pray. Father, we thank you that you are a living God. You are not an entity that exists somewhere separate from us. But you are a personal and an interpersonal God. And because of this, we can encounter you 
We can encounter you in relationship. And in those encounters, Lord, you change us. So this morning, as we look at yet another one of the encounters in Scripture, may we do so in a way that doesn't keep it at arm's length, but brings it near, so that this encounter shapes us and positions us well, that we might encounter you well. So God, we give you this space now. Be God amongst us, and God, do your thing in us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 12, which funnily enough follows on from Luke 11. Now in Luke 11, that's the passage where Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. He teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And then he begins to point out about the, 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 uh, the hypocrisy of the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And in fact, the religious leaders of the time begin to plot to try and catch Jesus out. And, and Jesus goes on at the beginning of chapter 12 then, and he speaks about this. Uh, and here we have in verse 1 of chapter 12, this fact that there are many thousands of people gathering. It's an unruly crowd. It says there in those words that they are trampling on one another. This isn't like an ordered following. This is this big crowd that has gathered for whatever reason to follow and to listen to Jesus. And it's quite unruly. And in this context, he, again, he teaches about the hypocrisy of religious leaders. And he warns about the dangers. And, and yet he says at the same time, don't be fearful of those things. Because those things which are hidden, those things which are false, those things which are in darkness, will be shown for what they are. And finally he goes on and he says that, that you have nothing to worry about. Because he... The Son of Man will be with you, will be your advocate, and the Holy Spirit will be with you as well. So in this world which is full of hypocrisy, this world which is full of brokenness, this world which misses the point all the time, Jesus is there in the midst of it, and there are great words of encouragement that he speaks to the crowd. And then we come to verse 13. And verse 13 says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I don't know about you, but you read through all of this that Jesus has been saying, and then this bloke pops up, and it's like... Have you, where, where did you come from? Have you been listening? Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replies, man, who appointed me to judge or arbit between you? Who appointed me as judge or arbiter between you? And then he says to the crowd, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist 
in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told a parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And Jesus finishes the parable with the words to the crowd. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. So clearly there's a, an encounter here. And this encounter uh, includes a couple of things. There's the, the, the interpersonal thing that happens with this man that shouts out of the crowd. And then Jesus grabs the moment and uses it as a teaching moment. Now I want to just touch on the teaching thing first, but I want us to come back because this is about encounters. And I want us to once again look at what happens in the encounter that this man has with Jesus. The attitude of the man calling out is quite incredible, isn't it? It's as though he hasn't been listening at all. He comes with an agenda. So it, it doesn't matter what Jesus has been saying. It doesn't matter what's been going on. This man has found himself in the crowd and he's got one thing in his mind. He's got one thing on his heart. And that is he wants this inheritance thing sorted out and he wants it sorted out in his favor. Now, to us, it seems really weird. Why would a man in a crowd that's wandering around the countryside listening to a teacher suddenly ask that teacher a, decision, a question like this? Well, it was actually quite common. He addresses Jesus as teacher or rabbi. And it was quite common for teachers, for rabbis to, uh, to judge, to assess, to mediate, to arbiter situations of conflict or disagreement so it wasn't that out of place in fact back in Deuteronomy it tells us that the under Jewish law the the oldest son got twice the inheritance of any younger so one would assume that this is one of the younger sons somehow feeling he's been hard done by we don't know but it would seem fair But Jesus' response is really interesting. He says, man, and the word used here is certainly not a cordial term. (laughs) He's not being warm and uh, generous towards this bloke in this moment. He's saying, man, who appointed me? (laughs) Which is a recognition that, in fact, he recognized this, this man is not one of his followers. He's not a disciple. If he was a disciple, as a rabbi, you would address the disciples. This is a man in a crowd. He is one of the thousands that are pushing and shoveling and shoving and trampling on one another. And Jesus challenges him. So this man comes with an agenda. He comes to a teacher. 
He's wanting something to be addressed. He wants an answer. He does not get what he came expecting. And Jesus then begins to teach on this issue of greed. Now there's a, another worldview thing going on here, and it's the worldview around wealth. It's interesting, in our Western capitalist worldview, uh, we, we get to a place where we think there's enough to go around for everybody. If you work hard enough, if you apply yourself, then everybody can make a go of it and you can improve yourself. It's led, generally speaking, into derogatory terms. You know, I'm glad to hear the term is disappearing, but the old doll bludger kind of mentality. We, we would say that those people who are doing it tough, well, they're doing it tough because they're not working hard enough or they're not taking the opportunities given to them. There's this sense that we have that we can all attain wealth of one level or another if we apply ourselves. Now, in Hebrew thought, there was always the rich and the poor. And Jesus himself said, the poor will always be with you. There was a sense where the two sat together. In Hebrew thought, there was one pie. And if you had a big slice of it, someone missed out. All right, there's only so much to go around. So if you've got a a parable about a rich young man who gets richer, it means that more people are missing out. So when Jesus tells this parable, parable, he's not just talking about the wealth. He is talking about an attitude which is so selfish that it deprives others. Not because of lack of generosity necessarily, but just because he's got wealth, others are missing out. It's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? So when he tells this parable and he talks about greed and he talks about hungering for more wealth, yes, it's about the the priority of wanting more and yes, it's about uh, the material things aren't the only thing, but there's a subtext in this culturally that this is about selfishness and self-indulgence at the cost of others. Because it's counter to the characteristic of the kingdom of God, which is a characteristic of generosity. Does that make sense? It's a slightly nuanced view to this. But Jesus has some very clear things to say, doesn't he? He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Now, greed is that, that covetous kind of... Um, reaction we, we we see it we've seen it with our kids as we've as they've grown up when they come home and they say well you know so and so in my class their dad's just bought them this why can't I have that uh, or, or you, you know the, their best friends just got the latest mobile phone and now they want one or my work colleagues just got one and I want one. <laughs> or it's whatever it is. You know, that, you know that feeling that comes up? Or you get the brochures in the mail. And I'm thankful Sue, Sue's a great bargain shopper and we get them and she saves us money. But every time I open one with technical stuff in it or cars, 
uh, and it might be something different for you, but all of a sudden there's something in me that says, you know what, I need one of them. You know, it's that, there's something in us, isn't it, the response. And Jesus says, be on your guard. Watch out against this kind of thing. Why? Because it becomes a driving force in your life. You must have the next. We're never satisfied. So if only I had this, then we'll be right. But you know what happens, don't you? You get that. <laughs> I need that. And it just consumes us. It is the antithesis to generosity and to blessing others and freely giving away because it is self-indulgent. Just read these verses. Listen to these verses. I'll read them again. This is, this is an internal dialogue in a rich man. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink and be merry. <laughs> He's consumed with self isn't he consumed with self but God calls him to account and God has this wonderful turn of phrase you fool <laughs> you fool now again uh, God's not into name calling uh, it, but if you read through the, the Hebrew poetry, if you look through Hebrew scriptures the term fool is used in a very specific way a, a, a fool is someone who doesn't acknowledge God. A fool is someone who doesn't pay attention to the wisdom of God that God gives us to apply to our lives. And, and this man is doing that. That whole dialogue is an internal dialogue. There is no question in there, what might God want me to do? <laughs> what am I going to do? I know what I'll do. The man is a fool. He ignores God and he ignores the wisdom of God. And of course there is the irony there and the reminder that, you know what, whatever we accumulate, we never get to take it with us anyway. Who will get what you have stored up for yourself? And this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Jesus made mention of this back in Matthew when he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This teaching moment that Jesus grabs in this encounter is actually a really poignant teaching moment for us in our wealthy Western context. It's why when a team goes to somewhere like Cebu or other places on our planet where people have far less, there is something that happens in us when we are confronted with our own richness. When we look at our neighbours, we don't feel rich. But when we go to places where people genuinely do not have, we can be overwhelmed with how rich we really are. 
I would encourage, I would echo the words of the team. If you get a chance to, to be exposed to that kind of setting, it, it is life transforming and forming. You will have a gospel encounter. So there is something in the teaching for us. But let's go back to this idea here that there is a man who encounters Jesus. I said before, he came with an agenda. He came with his own agenda to encounter. It makes me ask the question, well, what kind of agendas might we bring to an encounter with Jesus? So we come to our prayer times and so often, don't we, we come with a shopping list. We come with a list of things that we uh, duly want to bring before God. God, bring my brother around so he will pay me my inheritance. What kind of agendas do we perhaps bring to our encounters with God? Maybe it is uh, an, uh, an agenda around relationship. Maybe there's a, a critical and dear relationship in your life that is struggling or is fractured in some kind of way. And so every time we, we come to God, that, that, that is the driving, forming thing, and, and we come with this clear agenda to him. Maybe we are longing for a life partner, someone to share our life with. And that is... We just can't park it. It's always there in every encounter we have with God. Or maybe it might be about this physical, material body that we exist in. It's aches and pains, it's brokenness, it's struggles. Maybe there's something in that that is what you constantly come to God with, requesting healing, asking for strength to live another day, whatever it might be in that regard. Maybe it genuinely could be material need. Where's the next meal going to come from? You're out of work and wondering where the next dollar's going to come from. And you have genuine need in that regard, and, and that shapes you. It's not that any of these agenda items in and of their self are wrong. But do they shape our encounter with God? So that... Like the man who calls out from the crowd, we, we can't hear anything else God wants to say to us because we've only bringing our agenda. And I think this is the challenge of this encounter. So I want to let you into a little bit of what's going on in my life at the moment. And, uh, and please hear this right. Uh, I haven't got this sorted out, but this is... It's amazing, isn't it, Dale, as a preacher, how often the text you've got just connects with what God is doing in you. <laughs> so at the moment, I'm, uh, my role I have, for those of you who don't know, is, as state leader of the Baptist movement in South Australia. And I've been in that role for coming up to 11 years. So you begin to ask the question, what does the future look like? And I've been working that through with the board, the assembly board. And the Assembly Board, in their wisdom, have given me some leave uh, for discernment. So I'm trying to do discernment well. But it means I'm coming to my encounters with Jesus, with God, with an agenda. My agenda is, God, what do you, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to continue in this role? Is it time for change? 
uh, are you calling me to something else? Or are you just calling me out of this? What, what's it look like? And I can talk for hours asking those questions and not listen to a single word that God's got to say to me. And, and, the, and, the, and the lesson for me has been to genuinely try and park my agenda to listen, to name it and park it. Now, that's just my experience in my world at the moment, and uh, I haven't got through it yet, um, and I do better at it in some moments than in others. But I wonder what agenda might you be coming to Jesus with, coming to God with, that perhaps even crowds out the opportunity for you to hear him say a fresh thing to you. You see, the man in this encounter, when he, when he turns up to Jesus, he's got a clear idea of what he thinks Jesus is going to do and say. And Jesus says something completely different which rattles his whole world. Wouldn't it be tragic if because of our focus on one aspect of our life, we miss the opportunity to hear God speak to us in a way that might radically change us in another area of our life. Amen? Folks, this is, these encounter stories weigh heavily, don't they? And they should. I hope they do. Because this is about us meeting God. One of the most helpful things I was saying to Dale during the week... We did a series on the names of God before encounter, uh, the gospel encounters. And, and one of the, the takeaways from that for me was this use of the term Yahweh as a, a, a personal name of God, if you like, uh, which reminds me every time I use it that, that I'm not dealing with a God out there, but I'm dealing with a God who wants this gospel encounter with me. So why don't you... Spend a moment now and ask Yahweh what he might like you to park so that he can speak to you and you can hear him. So just in silence in a couple of moments now, that simple prayer, Yahweh, what have I been bringing to you that you want me to put aside for a moment. Just do that now in the silence. Yahweh, we, we do acknowledge that we live in a broken world and we ourselves are broken and sinful. And in these imperfect bodies, with these imperfect minds, it is so easy to be drawn into a space where we are self-consumed. It is so easy to miss you. To think we're connecting with you, but actually to be drowning you out. Father, forgive us for that. And for all those prayers we've offered in the silence, Lord, help us to park whatever it is that we need. That unlike the man in this story we've looked at,
we might find ourselves in a place where we have ears to hear what you want to say to us, not what we want to hear and what we want you to say. Yahweh, our Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your Son and for the presence of your Spirit. May we encounter you, our triune God, in such a powerful way that we would go on being made in the likeness of your Son, that we would be fully who you've created us to be. It's an incremental journey. But Lord, may this morning we take another step in the right direction. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Movement today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe and tell a friend. We are available wherever you get your pods. Movement is a podcast from Baptist Church's SA, hosted by Melinda Cousins and produced by Ruth Grace and Kathy Turner. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest.